What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 45 of the Operators Podcast. This episode is just Mike, Matt, and me talking about Ridge X MKBHD. We're recording this today that we we broke the news that Marquez is coming inside of Ridge as a board member, advisor, investor, content partner, all these really cool things. We talk about the how, why, and what, why Ridge ended up doing this. And we've been working on it since October. So it's it's a long time coming. I'm glad we're able to talk about it. I think it's going to change the future of Ridge and like the, the way we're going over the next couple of years. So we just talk about it. Uh, if you have any more specific questions, leave them in Slack, leave them in the comments, ask me on Twitter, and we'll try to get you some more some more answers. But thank you for listening to episode 45 of the Operators Podcast. Thank you for Phil. My accounting module is set up now. Thank you to Northbeam. I still log in every day. And thank you to Send Lane. I am one of the many delighted customers. So all three sponsors, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Today, we are going to talk, well, we're going to talk about the news. Sean's got news. It's all over Twitter. Every DM I got today was about the Ridge and Marquez deal. So do you want to, I don't know, Sean, where do you want to start? Like, I want to know why you did it. The thesis. I got so many questions. I'm sure Mike does, but like, maybe just start off with like, what did you guys do? Give everybody the summary if they don't know. Not everybody's on Twitter, so... What's the yeah, deal? yeah, and this is this will come out like a week after announcement day. Yeah, uh, we wanted to do one earlier, but I couldn't talk about it till like we gave exclusive to Fortune to break the news. So you wouldn't even tell us, just for everybody listening, like we didn't even know. Yeah, I strongly hinted at it, but uh, but yeah, I had to, I had to give Fortune the exclusive on it. Um, yeah, so Marquez Brownlee, number one tech YouTuber in my opinion, uh, joined Ridge as a investor, advisor, board member. He has a role inside the company and we're developing products and content and a bunch of cool stuff together. So we've been working on it since like, I mean, October, you know, I think we signed the deal in October and we've just been shooting content and making products this whole time. And we get to announce it now. We're going into our anniversary sale in like two weeks. Like uh, we kick it off in March. It's like right around his anniversary as well. So we'll have a lot of content. We'll have like a web portal built out on the website, just talking about the like like what we're doing together. But the thesis comes from creator brands are probably the future. Ridge was successful for the past ten years because like digital marketing was our core competency. We had we we didn't have to raise money. We we're able to you know control our destiny, be profitable every year because we were just better at digital marketing than everybody else. And people could say I'm arrogant for saying that, but the fact is, we own 100 of the brand, and I've been profitable for 10 years in a row, growing every single year. I do not see how anybody could think they are better at digital marketing than us, right? If you're running away or Allbirds or whoever else, right? So out of that cohort, at least, I think we. That's my expertise. That was my background running an agency business. So we were really good at digital. That's what allowed us to thrive the past 10 years. Those skills are no longer relevant. So this is this is Ridge trying to upskill our business. I think that the skill you need to have for the next five years is being able to create good content and tell your story. And being a creator-led brand lets you do both of those things. 
The flip side is I'm not famous. I'm not that likable. So I'm not going to be the creator for Ridge, right? Uh, and build or buy. Do you, should we spend $5 million trying to build me into the creator? Or should I just go out there and find a great partner who could come in? And that's what we do with Marquez. I mean, when I, I put that tweet out in August, I'm like, he's our number one get, right? I talked to a lot of creators, like especially job interviews, shopping this around. There's other people we made offers to. We were going to have uh, Colin and Samir. Like, <laughs> I gave them the offer. I gave CoffeeZilla. He's a YouTuber. Yeah. I, I gave him the offer. I'm like, dude, would you like to do this? Um, but, you know, uh, we were getting very close to like, like actually diving in and pulling the trigger. And I'm like, hey, I should just make sure this goes across Marquez's desk. And that exact deal that I tweeted out isn't what would work for Marquez. But we, we ended up finding a, a better working relationship for both of us. Super cool. Could you, uh, and Mike, jump in whenever you want, but like, Sean, could you go back to the, why do you think that what got you here is no longer relevant? Like you said that like the, those skills are no longer relevant and that the future of brands is going to be this type of like content led, creator led. Like, can you unpack that? Uh, that's so, that's a big statement, dude, for a lot of people listening. Just look at look at what's happening with digital advertising. Like the arbitrage that skill provided is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. It used to be that like if you were really good at Facebook ads and like you knew targeting and you knew landing pages and everything, you could literally be six times better than somebody who sucked. Like, I mean, 10 times better, a hundred times better than somebody who sucked. And what Meta and Google and Apple and everybody else has done is try to shrink that skill gap right? Like remove arbitrage in the system. And with things like ASC, with things like creative testing and with AI <laughs> coming out, like, you know, removal of like audience and just going straight to broad targeting for everything. And they're going to do all the matching for you. These things are to make it easier to be like to be an advertiser and to remove the arbitrage of skill, right? And so just I see that coming. I see that happening. Like that's been like what's been happening for five years. And add dot like the cost of advertising will continue to go up. CPMs will continue to go up. Reach will continue to get saturated. And you have to find a new way to, to stand out. And it used to be like, oh, I'll just be amazing at Facebook ads and then I'll be able to stand out because I'll be better than everybody else. But they're they're removing that. So you have to find a new way to stand out. And what I see that path is is having it's it's kind of like the first person to put celebrities in TV ads or whatever. Like I'm sure that I'm sure that crushed the first time somebody thought of that, right? Uh, I just think like that's we're on the precipice of, of of a new change, and I, I think becoming a creator brand will help unlock that. Do you? Um, so like when I look at Hexclad with Gordon, right? That to me seems far more a trust led relationships. So like Gordon Ramsay stamp of approval, he shoots content, but it's Hexclad's distribution, right? It's paid advertising that gets all that reach. Are you looking at it the same way? Or are you looking at Marquez? Like the guy's got a that giant YouTube channel. He's got so much reach. Like how much of this is trust? How much of this is reach? Can you break that out for us? I mean, dude, it's both. It's it's hand in hand, right? We we talked to UTA CAA about like a traditional celebrity relationship. We were talking to Pedro Pascal, and it was just the worst time to do that because it was when 
The Last of Us was like the most popular show on earth. Blowing up, yeah. And it like, so I mean, Pedro Pascal was going to be like, you know, in the millions of dollars and you like, we got four hours a year to shoot with him. (laughs) I'm like, okay, this is, this is not the type of relationship that feels like a two way street. Um, With Marquez, I mean, you know, he is a good chunk of the business now. Uh, and we were very much inspired by Hexclad and the Gordon relationship, right? Like, I mean, Gordon Gordon has reached through restaurants and TV shows, and uh, every chance he gets, he's shown off Hexclad. So, like, I mean, not only is he like the if you're good, if I ask gun to your head, name a chef, he's the first person you're going to name, right? He also has has built in reach and trust and all all the things you mentioned. So, part of it is is definitely we want. The, the co-sign, the seal of approval to make products with the literal best guy on earth to make products with, in our opinion, Marquez. Uh, but then also there's the distribution piece. You'll, you'll see us in dozens of posts and videos across the next year. So, um, and that relationship has been started for a long time. Like the, the cyber truck video, like, yeah, you know, uh, that was our luggage, our sponsorship. And he's, he has, our cyber truck right now like he's out shooting with it so like there's just it, there'll be a tight sharing of of distribution through content um so it's like 50 50 dude i got another sorry mike i got another question <laughs> uh how does and you might not actually be able to answer this sean this might actually be more of a marquez question but like how does this impact his relationship with other companies that are probably competitive to you or or you will be competitive to them I mean, with any of these type of relationships, I mean, it, it's just like hiring an executive, right? Like they might have existing equity stakes or board member shit they got to do. So like you have to clear, uh, you know, he won't be having any wallet sponsors. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, he has a longstanding relationship with Apple. Apple makes a wallet. I'm not going to be like, dude, you can't work with Apple. Right. One thing that's really important to talk about is endemic and non-endemic partnerships. And I've used this a lot in the past, and it kind of sounds like a buzzword, but I think it's worth breaking down. Why doesn't Marquez have a exclusive partnership with Apple? And it's because that would hurt the integrity of his brand, right? And Or a gaming PC company or, or, or whatever, name anything, right? And those are endemic partnerships. They're incredibly expensive. Because it comes with exclusivity around that, and it could it could hurt the his brand, his career, what he's worked on. Ridge is a non-endemic partnership, right? Like Marquez is, you know, he loves gear, he loves wallets, he loves pens, whatever. But like, that's not what the core of his content's around, right? Like, he has a wallet, but like, he's talking about literally Oculus versus Apple Vision Pro. Like, the the wallet doesn't come into that that conversation. So it's easier to do non-endemic partnerships. Like Gordon and cooking, that is an endemic partnership. That's amazing they pulled that off, right? But Gordon and wallets would be very easy to get done. Look, I got to talk about Fulfill for a second. So one of the things when you have sponsors on a pod is there's always this question of like, how genuine is that? is the recommendation, right? I've actually uh, personally sent them to people that are looking for a solution. So I sent them over to fulfill. I made the introduction. Um, and I was, it, it's, it's, I've been pleasantly not surprised because I, I know the reputation, but it was like, it's been nice 
to hear from those guys that I sent to fulfill, they're actually having a really good experience. So it's kind of cool as a podcast host to have a sponsor be living up to, uh, to the endorsement. So shout out to fulfill today. So I'll ask a, a question. Um, how did you make the decision that this was worth bringing in an equity partner? Yeah. Well, the good news is we own the whole thing. <laughs> so, so there's not a lot of like levels of approval, right? I mean, this is this is what we think of as I mean, it's it this is a really long-term commitment. We're talking multi-multi years. I think this is the type of thing that makes Ridge go from like the fun shit posting brand on Twitter to real brand with like, you know, national re recognition. So like, you know, we're already growing really fast. It'll, we'll do a couple hundred million dollars this year, but this is one of those, the few moves that can like build incredible credibility. So what is that worth, man? I mean, it's one of those things where I think just us getting better at social media is worth $10 million a year. Cause I think that's like how much revenue we're leaving on the table by sucking at just organic social. So it's hard to put a dollar figure to it. I think a lot of times people get people get way too like protect the pie instead of grow the pie. And this is when like they, they they end up leaving a lot of money on the table. Dude, the flip side is I see a lot of brands overvalue celebrity partnerships. Like we have a friend who gave a talk show host like a million dollars for just like ad rights or whatever. So it just it just it goes both ways. Sometimes people are way too greedy when it comes to these deals, and then sometimes they overvalue the wrong things. I hope I got it right, but I, we'll see in four years. It almost feels like it's it's like a lot of gut feel when you're doing this. Like you really got to just like read your your company, read the market, try to read like it's just reading tea leaves, right? Like does this feel right? Because there it's tough to put a number on it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, dude, and it's we like one of my things is like you you want to dance who wants with whoever wants to dance with you. You know what I mean, like. You know, I, I put that out there. I'm like, dude, Marquez, we'd love to have you, but like, if you're not interested, like, I'm not gonna fucking waste my time. And and, and luckily, he was. Luckily, he saw that, like, yeah, this is probably where creator, like, or the future of creator brands. And the reason, the, like, the reason why Ridge wants to be a creator brand is we'll get better at content, we'll get better at storytelling, we benefit from like the MKBHD corpus of knowledge, right? They've been making videos on the internet for 12 years. They have like 20 people. That's all they do. So like. If we could just get five percent of that, like we, like our ads would just be better, right? Like our social posts would just be better, like in, and not just a little bit better, but like if we get five percent of what they have, we've gotten seven hundred percent better, right? It's like such a such a huge, like uh, performance enhancing drug, just like learning and like hearing what they what they think about. Um, the other side is like 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 what does Marquez get out of it? It's like. One, we have money, right? So like we can, if he wants to do a product, we can just do it. <laughs> like, and we have factories and designers and, and engineers on the team so that like he can do a product that's incredibly high quality right off the rip. And we've all made products for a long time. It's hard to make something that's good, right? Like there's development cycles, it's expensive. And then like you get to it, like you want to order a hundred thousand, it costs $10 million to get that order done, right? So we're able to just do that off the rip. Then we have distribution. We're in all the Best Buys already. We're in Nordstrom's and Shields and all these different places. We have a great website, all this type of stuff. So I think it's I think it's a two-way street where he gets a big chunk of a meaningful business and you know, we're gonna be integrated through his content for years and years to come. 
And dude, it's such a good stamp of approval. So I'm stoked. It's a bold move and I love it. I, I think one of the one of the things that I'm really curious about is something you said earlier. Is the future creator led led brands or is the future more of this model where successful brands create a key partnership and bring in a creator? Because you know, I know right now with what Jimmy's doing with Feastables, it's very kind of in vogue to be, say, well, creator-led brands, like that's the future. And I'm just not really convinced that that's true. There's, I mean, a lot of being successful as a brand is blocking and tackling and operations and manufacturing and, you know, all this stuff that you just talked about and creators, like that is not their sphere of genius or competence, but when you're able to stack that right on top of an already successful business that has product market fit, I can see how it, I mean, we saw how it was explosive with Hexclad. I can, I can see the thesis here of how it's explosive with you. So do you, do you hold that view, Sean, that we, we actually are going to see a lot of brands that are really actually founded by these creators or more of these marriages that happen with successful creators and brands that already have product market fit? Dude, I think it's going to be the marriages, right? And I think it's a rebranding. And like we have to, we have to come up with a term because it's not, it's not like a creator brand, but it's like a, a creator empowered brand or, or a creator adjacent brand. It's something like that. And it's because, dude, Jimmy is one of one. He's fucking crushing it. He probably spent fifty million dollars building Feastables, right? He can do that, right? He probably has PE backing. He has all these different things. He hired the CEO of RX Bar to like do it, like. Nobody else can do that. Like the capital expenditure is just so, so great. And that's why there's an abyss of creator brands. There's creator brands doing a million dollars a year. There's nobody doing 20. <laughs> and then and then there's Mr. Beast on the other end of the chart, right? So like there's this huge abyss that falls off. So the future is going to be this, this, this marriage of like an, exi- an existing, and we're not the first people to do this. A week ago, Ryan Trahan, another big popular YouTuber announced, uh, a candy company. Turns out it's a rebrand of an existing candy company who was already in Target, who was already in Walmart, right? And, you know, I didn't talk to their, their team. I don't know that team at all, but like it makes a ton of fucking sense because how do you stand out on the candy aisle? Like, yeah, following in Mr. Beast's footstep, but with the infrastructure of a product that already exists, with distribution that already exists, with buying and capital and loans, like all that shit is so fucking hard and it's a different skill set. And it's, Ridge currently has that because we've been doing it for 10 years. And Marquez has 16 years of YouTube making experience. It's like it's the, the, the marriage makes a ton of sense. So I think both parties are super happy with it. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching with a lot of interest. We we had a conversation within the last month um about someone who has hundreds of millions of followers, um, which obviously is a very small basket of people that would that is interested in the right partnership exactly like the one that you just did um and so it was the first time that i had really seriously started to consider it i mean it it feels like uh i mean it's it feels like you make a decision like this once and you don't you you don't get to do it twice like you you make it once and then you kind of live with the results partially because you've now got a partner on the equity side and and also because you're really defining the brand with the person that you're you're picking 
So I'm super curious how this plays out and what you learn from it. How, Sean, how did you think about the downside risk of this to what Mike's talking about? So like, if this didn't work, so like, let's say it's not a, like for somebody listening, who's not going to go and get Marquez, right? Um, or, or like somebody with 200, like, but if, if this is going to be the future of things, right? How can operators think about structuring these deals? Like, I know you can't divulge the details of yours. That's fair. But could you give, like, could we talk about like how to give people some guidelines and some goalposts and like what to look for, what to watch for? How could they, like, how do you protect the downsides that you don't do a, a creator partnership that turns into an absolute dud? Yeah. So you have to look at both sides and you have to understand where they're coming from because one thing I've learned from dealing with, with Marquez like closely on this is that the sheer amount of people who want something from him is crazy. Like it sucks to be famous. I don't think he'd say that. I think he's very grateful for everything going on, but just like flooded in boxes, people asking for stuff, everyone trying to get you to do favors. Like that fucking sucks. So you you have to have some amount of reputation going into it, right? That like you're not trying to do that. Like you're and did we approach them like totally open book? I'm like, I'm like on my opening email, I'm like, here's our PL, here's our bank balance, here's everything we've been doing, here's our growth history for the past five years. And I'm like, and I'm like, out of everyone on earth I want to work with, you're number one. I'm like, I'm like, so if you want to do the deal, you're the, you're the guy. If you don't, I totally get it. No harm, no foul. Right. So like you can't be coy about it is I think, I think is what I'm trying to say. Like, and the other thing is a lot of celebrities, a lot of, I mean, cause Marquez is a celebrity. He's a YouTuber, he's a content creator, but like he is, he's like a celebrity. Most of them are surrounded with layers of protection that like it's so hard to have those real conversations. Marquez is one of the few that like he has an amazing team. Like he has Jono, who who we work with, you know, like every single day. And he comes from he comes from the tech world. He comes from Linus Tech Tips. So shout out Jono. I don't think he listens to the pod, but what's up, Jono? Uh, but like Jono's his business manager, and like Jono works for Marquez. He doesn't work for UTA. He doesn't work for CAA, right? Like those agents, those agents are great but they're there to make your life hell, right? Like they're they're there as the gatekeeper to keep out the people who are trying to fuck people over, right? And that's just, it's a real world of fame where like you just get a bunch of sharks and a bunch of weirdos circling you. So the, Marquez was perfectly structured in a way to work with our team. Hmm. Um, small is, there, team. is there an out for either of you? Oh yeah. E either of us could end the contract at any point. So, you know, his equity investment also vests over time. So there's deliverables on both sides that we have to provide, right? Like, um, and there's all like, there's mortality clauses or morality clauses on both sides. So like, like part of the deal is like, we can't do NFTs. We can't do crypto. We can't do like this other stuff. He's like, Hey, I don't want that associated with my brand. Like, you know, he's, he's on the board. So he's seeing everything we're doing anyway, but like, you know, he has, there's morality things we have to stick to, but also at any point, either of us can end the contract. And I think that is, I think that gives the ultimate security to both sides. Yeah, man. I, I mean, look, one of the interesting things in your announcement with this too, is like, he's going to be involved in product, right? 
because he's got like he's obviously he's a great person for that given the kind of creator he is um you know i have not seen that with like when i look at the deals that have been done that i'm aware of um and have like been close enough to they're almost always for a reach or trust and they almost never ever do they involve like any input on product yeah, I mean, that was, that's the reason why we did this deal back in October. We were just talking about it. So the first products come out in April, and then in August we have more products, and then in September we have more products, in December we have more products, and you know, it's it's three new product lines we're building with it. And wow. like, I mean, as you guys know, product just takes forever. So like, if if he has something he wants to build, right, it takes a minimum of a year for it to come out into the world. So that's why we had to like, you know, give us a little bit of time to get that going. But yeah, man, I mean, uh, it's pretty cool. It's freaking awesome, dude. Like, I, I think it's just, it's brilliant. Like for Ridge, it's like, it's the ultimate, it's a great partnership. Um, all that's playing around in my head is like, you know, a simple modern, a Pila, like, what's the what's the analog for other brands right like what do we learn from this what do we model um you know because i think for most brands there isn't the obvious perfect fit well yeah so i knew hexclad before gordon okay and they were smaller than ridge yeah they add gordon they add in just like amazing execution. I don't think Gordon deserves all the credit, right? I think no, they amazing no, executed. No, Jason on the pod said he'd give them 50%. Yeah. So like amazing execution with an amazing product, great executive team, just like everything coming together. They are now bigger than Rich. So like the time I've known them, they've gone from my little brother to my dad, right? And Gordon's like, a, I, I mean, yeah, I, I even think 50 is generous. I mean, I... I'd give them 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, some, something like that. Like it's 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 double digit percentage of their growth, right? And super fucking inspiring. Like I I want I always say that the the best thing to have is rich friends. So fucking hell yeah, Jason, hell yeah, Danny, hell yeah, Cole, let's get it going, dude. Um so it's awesome. I I'm inspired when I see that. And I'm like, okay, like that got me thinking like how like how do we tap into that? And dude, I I really hope, I'm not trying to oversell this, but I really hope like Marquez's a key piece for Ridge being better recognized in the space. And then I think that leads us to, I mean, the, the goal is like, I want to, I can run this business to a $500 million a year. So like, that's, that's like what I want to get to. And it's not going to happen this year, probably won't happen next year, but like by 2026, I'm shooting for 500 million. So that's what I'm doing. I'll be really honest with you. The cost savings is probably the biggest driver for me. I think I'm going to save like over $100,000 a year switching. And there is nothing I would not do to save $100,000 on SaaS. <laughs> like the, the, whatever the darkest thing you're thinking, yeah, that's me trying to save money on SaaS. So that's a big driver. And uh, look, I, I believe in the product. I've seen it. I've seen the demos. People, people are like, oh, is migration going to be a pain in the ass? Yes. That is why I did not migrate in Q4. It's never going to be painless to do one of these things, right? Like I've been on Clavio for 10 years. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time and effort to put it in, but Jimmy is the type of guy who's committed to make it as seamless as possible. So I'm very, very excited to switch to Sendlane. Um, they're a startup, man. I think their culture matches mine. I'm excited to be there. So Photoshop a Sendlane logo on my jersey because that's where I'm going, guys. <laughs> Love it. 
Mike, if you're looking at, I mean, simple modern, right? Um, is your gut that the move for you guys is somebody with hundreds of millions in reach? Or do you think it's, it's a, a smaller, but a higher, like Sean basically got like the vitamin shot of creator for his brand, because like Marquez basically is the guy in everyday carry, like in tech, like that's, he's the guy. <laughs> um, for simple modern though, it's like, is there that right? Or, or is your default more like, you know what? We just need somebody influential. That's got a shitload of reach. That's trustworthy. I, I think that's the question. I, I think there's, there's a model where you say we're going to have an army of people with smaller reach, but high influence in their circle, um, that really, really high brand alignment and demographic alignment. And then there's another one where you say, Hey, there's three, four five women in the world where like, it could really make sense. I mean, for me, I do think the, um, cultural fit would matter. Like I, I wouldn't, even if somebody had a lot of influence, if I didn't think that they were really a fit in terms of what we're about, I wouldn't do it, but for different reasons, just because, you know, Sean mentioned it, you're kind of at the very least kind of like engaged or married to this person. And so what they do reflects on you, what you do reflects on them. And, um, you know, if I was going to associate with somebody that was really, really well-known, very famous, I would want to make sure that the, the association there in people's mind was consistent with the type of brand that we're trying to build. But I'm open to it for the first time ever. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting about how all three of us are situated is that we're at a point where we have enough chips at the table to really do bold things. Sean is doing something bold. And part of the reason why he's able to do something bold is that he has a company that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And the equity in that company is very lucrative so that you can draw one of the most influential people in the world to say, yes, for equity in that, I would love to be in a relationship. And um, the, the, I think the thing that I am trying to process is how do I not be impatient or impetuous and make sure I make the right move. I don't want it to be, you know, it's funny in the NBA, there's this thing that they make fun of new owners in the NBA because they immediately get the team and then they start trying to trade everything for a superstar and they can just shoot themselves in the foot. And so you don't want to be that. You don't want to be the brand that when you finally get to scale, you finally have enough chips stacked up that you can make a big move that you just immediately do it just to do something. And the, the other thing that's, I think, important is finding a person with a track record of relevance because in our culture, there's, a, there's more than ever. There's the kind of here today, gone tomorrow celebrity. And that's obviously not helpful. You want, one of the things that I think is interesting about your deal, Sean, is that you really partnered with somebody who creates value in a very clear way. And that's why there's so much trust. That's why there's so much reach is because he is a value creator. And that's one of the reasons why I would feel pretty confident that this is going to work out for you is that you brought in somebody who knows how to create value in a different way than your team knows exactly how to create value. And that makes sense. That's, a, that's an equation that works. Somebody who is not as accustomed to how to create value, but can get a lot of attention, I think is a different, is a different bucket. Um, and, and one that I'm not as interested in. So we're still, 
I'll say, I'll say this. It's, if you'd asked me two years ago, I would have said, I never want to do this, but watching Jason, watching Sean is pretty inspiring and, and makes me think maybe we do this at some point. Is there a way for brands to think of this in like steps or tiers? You know, uh, like the thing that came to mind, listen to you, Mike, is um, like Therabody, right? You guys are familiar with that, like the massage gun thing. I don't, I don't know if they do it anymore, but like I remember three, four or five years ago, it felt like they had every celebrity and athlete on their website. Every time I went there, it was like a new superstar athlete. And I, I kept thinking, I kept wondering at the time, like, how are they doing this many of these deals? Like, how do you have like LeBron and Tiger? And like, it was everybody. And then I, it, uh, when I asked around, it's like, well, those are like, let's call those like level one. Like that's an endorsement of a product. There's no special content. There's no distribution in that. They're not having input on product. That's like a quote and a picture on the site. So like, is there some tiering system, you know, Sean, Mike, like where you can, if, if you're advising a brand right now, it's like, could they test the waters with an endorsement? See if that helps. Then do you step it up to a, we'll try something on social. Like Sean, you've done these deals with YouTubers for years. Like you have done tons and tons and tons of YouTube deals with creators. Like this is not the first time you've dealt with a creator. <laughs> yeah, dude. And we've sponsored Marquez a lot and we paid yeah. for ad rights for all those, right? Like, So you knew that his channel worked for you. Yeah. And you know, talking about level one endorsements, like Therabody having all these celebrities, that's cool. But then I think it actually dilutes the message. I think that's where, where more is actually worse. In the Fortune article we did, right? Like I think one of the quotes I had is like, Dude, I would be so happy if people thought Ridge was like like if it, when they think of Ridge they think of Marquez like okay, that's owned, yeah. like that's owned by MKBHD and if Marquez comes back to me he's like hey dude I want more equity I'd be so stoked if he's like oh I want to own more of this business right like that's a good thing like I would I would love I would love for it to 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 become more synonymous with one person who I think is impactful and smart and best in class at fucking making content like that'd be sick. Uh, unlike, you know, Therabody, which is just like, dude, we got everybody. And then, and then those deals end and then they have nobody. <laughs> they got to re-up, right? Well, and it's not a mercenary deal that you signed. I mean, when equity gets involved and that's a lot of what goes on in influencer is, is just, it's mercenary stuff. It's like, you know, who's going to pay me the most to do a post and if somebody else will pay me more. And what Sean's talking about, I think is both the risk and the reward, it's that you're talking about really trying to make it where when people think of Ridge, the first face that pops into their mind is Marquez. And that if you do that because of his trust level, his likability level, that is a huge win for the brand. And in a lot of ways, you don't have to know much about Ridge to feel like you know a bunch about Ridge if that's the association that you can make. And but but also the risk exists there that if, you know. Marquez becomes less less relevant, or you know, he, he starts to drift a different direction with his content or whatever else. Then maybe you don't want that association. So I think the bar of getting it right is so much higher than like the level one that you're talking about, Matt. Where it's like you've got to be sure because it really is a lot more like getting married uh, than asking somebody on a date. And 
So, and I think Sean, you, you made a good point. I think for me to do a deal like this, I would have to spend time with the person and not like just a little bit of time. I would want to really like feel like there was a relationship there. And that's hard because of the, you know, layers around these people and the lives that they live. It seems like you've been able to find an actual two-way partnership. And I think that that's rare probably in, in this space. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why it has a chance to really, really be successful for you. Yeah. So I got, I got two points there. Like, like the, the second point we'll do first, when Mike's talking about like this, this two-way partnership, I think it's why we're going to see these with creators because like Marquez builds his life. So like he builds, he hires the people, he runs it like, like he doesn't have insular layers that he doesn't want to have, right? So that like you can, if he wants to have the conversation, he can have it. Where if you're, insert any famous person, fucking Selena Gomez or whatever, there's like there's like six to eight people removed between you and, and, and anybody else, right? And like, it's just a game of telephone up and a game of telephone out. So, you know, YouTube creators, because they grew up in a sec, like a secondary system, like outside of traditional Hollywood, like they don't really have a lot of that. So I think it's easier. And then the first point is like level one partnerships. So I looked at my P&L. I think we spent $10 million with creators since 2020. So that's money directly given from our bank account to their bank account. No agencies involved. So we've, I mean, we've worked with 3,000 creators and it's only gone horribly wrong like 10 times. So like we're talking like a 99% accuracy rate of it not blowing up totally in our face, right? Now, how many of those deals were like profitable? Probably 50%. So we have like a, you know, 1500 out of out of the 3000 or whatever but we just, we just have a lot of reps on this i think the reps build trust and transparency but like i can email marquez and be like hey dude we've worked in the past you know who we are <laughs> like well trust is a two way street right that's kind of the point you're making it's not just you knowing him it's him knowing you right if you're spending more than a million dollar a year on paid ads, you probably have some amount of wasted spend. We all do. Marketing is the biggest line item on Ridge's P&L. So we spend more on marketing than we do on SaaS, people, or COGS. And 1% wasted spend can totally make or break a brand, right? And how do you determine if it's a channel messing up or if it's an ad messing up or if it's your team messing up, you need an independent source of truth there. So we recommend Northbeam multi-touch attribution. So what does that actually do? Facebook in platform wants you to spend more money on Facebook, right? They want to set, tell you that all of your sales are coming from Facebook. Google wants to say all of the sales are coming from Google, right? And you probably use Google Analytics, which is a last click attribution platform designed to make Google look better, right? So someone Googles your brand off of a Facebook ad, clicks a branded search term, who gets that sale? GA is going to say it's Google. Google conversion pixel is going to say it's Google. Facebook's going to say it's Facebook. How do you make sense out of that in this world? That's where Northbeam MTA comes in. A multi-touch attribution tool takes all of that data all of their historical data, the billions in ad dollars that they've seen run through their pixel and their ad and their ad platform, and they determine the actual breakdown and who deserves the credit. So 
they got a team of data scientists from Stanford, Harvard, they got PhDs, uh, and they've been working on this model for six plus years. Pre-COVID, <laughs> they were early movers in this space, and they know marketing attribution better than anybody else. Data is super flexible. They have more reports and metrics than any other platform out there. Over 450 you can choose from. I look at five and I use it to determine if I'm wasting money on different ad platforms. Do you think it's time to get on TikTok? Well, the best way to know that is to be able to compare TikTok versus a Facebook versus anything else. That's what Northbeam can do. And don't just take my word for it. Everyone on the, on the podcast uses it. I've been on Northbeam. I was the very first customer six plus years ago. Jason uses it. Dr. Squatch uses it. Blendjet, Reef Sandals, all nine-figure brands who love and use Northbeam every single day. So what are you waiting for? Get a demo. Go to northbeam.io. Click the link in the description. Tell them the operator sent you, and we're here to help. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for the support. If you're ready to check out and get to the next level of ad spend, check out Northbeam. Thank you. Hey, Sean. Great job. Way to, way to land and way to be bold, man. I mean, you're just, you're going for it. Yeah, I love and it. And you're doing something bold. And I think the biggest thing that I would say from my perspective is if you're trying to grow a billion dollar brand, you have to make some bold decisions. And this is a bold decision. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, appreciate it, Mike. Uh, I'll, I mean, look, now that it's open, we can talk about it just way more transparently. We're going to see a lot of stuff coming out. I'm happy to, happy to share all that stuff with everybody. I'm just super interested to see the product roadmap. Like just, we talk a lot about product on the show. I'm really curious to see what Marquez does to influence your product roadmap. You guys are already great at it, but he's clearly got a different lens and a different view of the world. Sean, I think that my takeaway from today is how much you're hinging this on getting great at content. Like I, I selfishly feel a little vindicated because I think in, in December of 2022, I said like the future is organic content for brands. I got fucking destroyed by people. So like, thank you for doing something. Well, here's the thing. The future <laughs> is organic content for the very small class of creators that YouTube cannot do without. You know, like I think the organic reach in general of every social channel trends down over time. But there are some people that are, I think, as big as the channel. Like it's the power law of everything. Yeah, Marquez is one of the people who makes YouTube a place that people want to go. And he is going to continue to get organic reach. And they are going to continue to pump his stuff out. But that class of creators, the top 0.1%, like you're saying, Matt, in the power law, they're the ones, their organic content, I think, is the future. Because if you're a 90th percentile creator, you know, like there's no guarantee that that organic reach will be there tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, I'm just, I think, I think you're, the content thing is just so interesting to me. That's what you want to get great at. And it makes tons of sense. I'm Dude, and I mean, Matt, it doesn't surprise me that you got ripped apart on Twitter when you said organic content's the future, because that's not what agencies want to hear. But it, it, it was the whole thesis behind doing this is if we get good at organic social, there's $10 million on the table right now. And I think it's the only way to stand out in six months or 12 months or 18 months. It's like, it's the future where this is going is like, 
Just like companies went out of business if they used agencies for paid media, I think if you use agencies for all of your storytelling and creative, you will go out of business. It is a mission critical skill in the next 10 years. We got that right when it came to paid media, just because I was young and like that's where I ended my career, right? Like that's, I worked at an agency. This is the next level. You have to get really good at shooting content and engaging with people directly. And I agree with you completely, the whole thesis. Now, the second point is about products and everything. Our big company initiative this year is more products, more places for more people. And more products is everything we're working on. So rings, carry-ons, backpacks, more wallets, whatever. More places is international Amazon and Best Buy, right? So we're nationally at Best Buy. I think we, I was meeting with them yesterday had a great dinner, great hanging out with the Best Buy team. Nordstrom's as well, Shields, REI, Dicks, just like getting into wholesale, omni-channel, fully, fully embracing it. And the third is more people. We actually don't do very well in the tech community. So like NFL is crushing it with everyday dad. Like that, that is our core consumer. Like Ed loves the NFL stuff we're doing. Outdoor, we're crushing it at Shields. Like we actually do really well in the outdoor community. But when you actually get to tech and like the, the true tech influencers, they're not loving and falling over backwards for Ridge, right? It's like, I mean, maybe they have MagSafe wallets. Maybe they don't have any wallets at all. Like, like maybe they're using more technical bags or whatever. And making products with Marquez just helps us unlock that tech community, which is like, you know, one of our three key pillars. Yep. That's actually, I mean, that, let's finish on that. That is a great way to view the Marquez deal with Ridge. Right there. That's great, man. I appreciate you uh, sharing all that. I think people listening to this, this is a, this is gonna be a great episode. All right, guys, that was episode 45 of the Operators Podcast. You heard me talk for 45 minutes, an hour, and you're still here hearing me talk. So next week, I'm out, Matt's out. You just get Jason and Mike, but we'll be back all together again in a couple of weeks. I'm going to Ridge Retreat. We fly everybody in, have a good time hanging out in Vegas. So I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, everybody. Bye.